Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. All right, so welcome to the Image Church. I'm about to jump into my sermon this morning. Y'all bear with me. My voice is trying to fail me, and my ear is plugged up, and I feel like I'm in a tunnel somewhere in warp zone, but I believe that God is going to speak to us through the sermon today, so I'm excited that all of y'all are here, and I'm excited to share the good news of the gospel. So today we're going to be talking about reconciling, and um, um, one of our values in this church is reconciling races and classes to worship God with one voice, right? So, man... It's no, it's no mystery to anybody. There's a huge gap of division in this country um, when it comes to just class, race, everything. It's just a huge um, thing. And, you know, I think for a long time we've kind of believed in our hearts, oh, it's getting better. But the more we actually engage in the conversation, the divide seems to get bigger, louder, more inflamed, everything else. Um, you know, and one of the big things in the middle of that conversation is people are like, what is God saying about this? And everybody has a different take on what God says about it and where he stands on it. So today we're going to try to work through the gospel, the actual Bible, not our intellect, um, not a way that seems right to us. But what does the Bible say about this divide and this division and the way it's perpetuated and how it functions, all right? So we're going to talk into that, and we're actually going to do an experiment, too, that I want to do in here. Um, you know, I was talking to the people, you know, in the morning time, we do a cross-cultural class. In the morning, we talk about the history of, we go into slavery, we go into civil rights, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and deal with what was God doing, the peace that he gave to mankind and how that peace was being destroyed and how that once that peace was being destroyed and sin entered in, how we moved forward in developing systems, whether it's healthcare system or judicial system, but now as sinful people, we're making these systems and they're prone to be broken, right? And they're prone to show partiality because we're broken people in need of a perfect savior, right? And so one thing about the image church, um, I was making this point earlier this morning, if you are part of this church, you actually are doing this. You're doing this. I know you're doing this because we have blatant conversations about racism and classism all the times. We've had um, beefs almost spill out in the church and turn into a gang war. Like seriously, you know, and we've had to have meetings about it and everything else. And what's amazing about it is that Man, when you stay at the table and you don't run, Christ does this amazing thing through conflict and peacemaking where he knits our heart. See, like the problem with the world is that everybody's, oh, this is crazy. Let's get the heck away from this. This messes with my comfort and it messes with, you know, their heart and their self-righteousness. But we're under the guise, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. So when somebody says, yo, this is the ugly face of racism, we get to step up and go, Dad, I actually got some of that on my face. I got that. The reason being is because we don't have to protect our righteousness because it's covered, it's provided for us by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You get what I'm saying? So if anybody in this country is equipped to deal with the issue of racism and the separation of class, it's us. It's us. I get why everybody else would want to run from it because their righteousness depends on getting it right. And none of us are getting it right, right? So 
We're, at, we're doing it. It's happening in the church. And you should be proud about that. That's what I was saying earlier when my friends came. I was proud because we got to stand to the glory of God and show them something they've actually never seen in their life. They've never been to a church and saw what Matt Jensen did. My white friend sit and honor me the way he did. They've never seen a, I mean, my friends literally called me on the phone like, I've never seen a black guy ever in my life get spoken to from a white guy like that. And they were just like, that was crazy. But it's to the glory of God. You get where I'm coming from? Like, so that's what's happening in this room. So I want you to be encouraged as we look into what we're going to look into. I want you to be encouraged by what's, ha what's happening. And I want you to be sobered, sobered out by where you're at in the conversation, where you're guilty at, where you're missing it at, and be sober by the fact that there's no condemnation in Christ, right? And that you're covered. So we get to step into this thing in a brave way this morning together, right? So our context makes us have to walk this out. It makes us have to walk it out. Um, if we're going to be real and do real life, it, it, it makes us talk it out because um, I, I don't think anybody, I think the people that actually are in this church are here because they're kind of tired of kind of playing church. And so, and they're kind of tired of having real shallow kiddie pool conversations. And so that's why it gets a little sharp sometimes and the tension is there. But if we just sit and let God do his thing and work through the tension, I promise you our heart starts getting like this right here. And, and God is going to prove that he is doing something. It's not even us doing it. He's doing something on the corner of, on the corner of liberty and confederate to his, own, to his glory, right? So I hope you're in with me and you're ready for the ride, right? All right, so I just want to read something to you real quick. Um, um, who's heard of the, le uh, the letter from Birmingham jail from Martin Luther King? It's a very, um, ama it's an amazing letter. I, I, I want to read it because I want to read some, I'm just going to read a portion of it. But the reason I want to read it as we go into the gospel and what we're doing, I want to read it because um, I'm going to read it and then we're going to do an exercise where it's going to have most, most of you stand up. But, you know, I think it's easy sometimes to cast off what the need for reconciling when it comes to race and class, there's, there's, there's these things where we're able to kind of hide in these pockets and be blind to it, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, and, um, and, and whatnot, but it's good for us to see the light. God affords us the grace to walk into the light, and he says the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. So we get to walk in the light with this. But the reason I want to see this, I want to read this, because it puts things in this harsh reality, right? And it's not that long ago. But then when we do the exercise, I want to bring it up to where we're at right now. So I'm just going to read this to you um, and just sit back and relax. Um, all right, so this is just a piece of it. And, what's big, and the reason why Martin Luther King is writing this letter is because he's sitting in the Birmingham jail. He had just protested some of the harsh realities in Birmingham. And, um, and some of the politicians were like, they had wrote him and they were like, yo, we're kind of disgusted that y'all decided to protest because, you know, we, we have, you know, we're doing stuff, you know, politically and everything else trying to work it out. And, you know, Martin Luther King and his people were like, you know, we've actually put off several protests while you keep kind of playing this game. And, um, and you know, he starts the letter by saying, like, I usually don't respond to, to this stuff or whatever because it would take all day. But I'm going to go ahead and hit this one real quick. But he says some stuff that gives you a really, um, a really cutting picture into his reality. 
in that time, right? So I'm going to just read this to you. It says, we have waited more than 340 years for our constitutional and God-given rights. The nation of Asia and Africa are moving with jet-like speed towards gaining political independence. But we still creep at horse and buggy pace towards gaining a cup of coffee at a lunch counter. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in airtight cages of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you, find, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her eyes when she is told that Funtown is closed to colored children and see ominous clouds of inferiority, inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness towards white people. When you have to concoct an answer for a five-year-old son who is asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-county drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored, when your first name becomes the N-word, your middle name becomes boy, and your last name becomes John, and your wife and mother are never given the, respect, the respected title, Miss, and we are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. Okay. That's a powerful text. I think it's an extremely powerful text. Um, it's powerful because it gives us a glimpse into the reality he was facing at that time. Um, another reason I just felt that it's appropriate for right now for what we're about to do is because um, everything we're talking about in the, in, when we're talking about the things we're called to reconcile and, and where our energy and efforts go, it's not all race, but it's a very, it's one of the loudest arguments in this country right now. Um, and so... I just really want us to hear that and, and, and then watch in contrast as we do this next exercise. So this is what we're going to do. If you can, some of y'all, if you don't want to get up, it's perfectly fine because I don't think we can fit everybody. But I want, every, I want a line of people running straight right here to the back. And I want you facing this wall. Yeah, just right in the middle. Yeah. And if you can't fit, then just have a seat. We just want to get it packed. And we want enough room for people to kind of step through the owls if needed. So we're, this is going to be a little bit messy. Here I got Mike Jen. You, you, you can.
All right, y'all ready? All right. All right, Jen's, Jen is actually going to read some things out to you, and, um, and you just respond with a step, forward or a step forward or a step back, and she'll let you know what to do. So you'll just have to um, kind of go in between the chairs um, if you need to step up or back. If you are a white male, take one step forward. If you are a woman, take one step back. If you are Asian, East Asian, South Asian, or Pacific Islander, take one step back. If you are Hispanic, take one step back. If you are Middle Eastern, take one step back. If you are Native American, take one step back. If you're African-American, black, or of African descent, take one step back. If you grew up in a family-owned home, take one step forward. If you live in a two-parent household, take one step forward. If you often see people of your race, ethnicity, and negative roles on TV or in the movies, take one step back. If you have been stopped by the police more than once without reasonable cause, step back. If you have at least one parent who who earned their master's or PhD degree, take one step forward. If most of your teachers came from the same racial or ethnic background, take one step forward. If your parents spoke English as their first language, take one step forward. If a relative or ancestor was lynched, take one step back. If you have been frisked or had excessive force used against you, take a step back. If your school textbooks did not strongly reflect your racial or ethnic group, take one step back. If neither of your parents or guardians attended college, take one step back. If you have ever been called names because of your race, class, ethnicity, or gender, take one step back. If you went on regular family vacations, take one step forward. If you attended private school or summer camp while growing up, take one step forward. If you were ever discouraged from academics or jobs because of race, class, ethnicity, or gender, take one step back. If you were raised in a single-parent home, take one step back. If you have ever been offered a good job because of your connection to a friend or family member, take one step forward. If you have ever been stopped and questioned by the police because of your race, ethnicity, social class, or gender, take one step back. If you could easily avoid being around people you were trained to mistrust take one step forward. If you could easily avoid being around people you were trained to mistrust, take one step forward. If you could go shopping alone, pretty assured that you will not be followed or harassed, take one step forward. If you can go into a store and find music, hair products, and food easily that represent your cultural tradition, take one step forward. 
if you have to train your children to be aware of systemic racism in order to protect them, take one step back. If you can do well in a challenging situation and not be called a credit to your race, take one step forward. If you can easily buy posters, picture books, greeting cards, dolls, and coloring books representing people of your race, take one step forward. Did you lose anything? Um, just briefly, I know um, when I first did this exercise that it's really easy as a white person to feel um, defensive about where you are or to even um, tie your self-righteousness to being at a certain place in the line. And I'm, Jay will go into that more, but I'm just really thankful that that's not the case because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Um, but this is a great visual of white privilege and the reality in our society and in our culture of what um, what the reality is. So um, no need to be defensive, but just look around, see who you're standing by, who you're not standing by before we sit down and kind of lose, lose this moment. Thank you, Jen. All right, y'all stay there real quick. All right, so let me tell you what I see right now when I look inside of this room. I'll tell you what I see as a believer. As a believer, I see an amazing opportunity, an amazing opportunity that we're called to as believers, right? So the world has to play this game like this. Where there's this great divide, the world has to defend itself Why they're over here and why they're over here, right? We get to come up under the blood of Jesus Christ and be the reason this actually goes like this, right? The Bible gives us this amazing title called Ministers of Reconciliation. It means that people that are enemies of God, as we once were and will still be if the blood of Jesus wasn't on us, we actually are now called and commissioned to go out and actually bring them into relationship and bring the lost in relationship with the Father, right? What this is called right here, what we see happening so the reason I read the thing about MLK is because, man, when you read it, you're like, that's absolutely crazy. Well, the stuff we were reading is not really, it's just regular, unbiased kind of questions that should be, you know, attainable for anybody. But systematically, that's not the truth. And in a minute, we're going to get into the text, and I'm going to read to you in James, where James is test, he's going at his brothers about this idea of undefiled religion. And he's calling them out. He goes, yo... This is good religion. And then he checks them on the sin of partiality and how it systematically breaks in wars against the glory of God and what God wants to do, right? So if we spend our time just figuring out what's wrong here for the sake of defending why we're there, then we're not doing anything to the glory of God. But if we look deeply into the matter as we, under the blood of Jesus, are called to, and are privy to and are actually excused from the penalty of it when we're found guilty, we're excused by the blood, we get to look in how to bring this thing together. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I told you last week my friends came in, it blew their mind. I'm excited to give glory to God today. He's using us that way. Amen. He's doing it. It's not something we're doing. We're not perfect people. We're going to mess this up. I tell you all the time, me and Matt, boy, we, man, 
We'd be in here like the Ku Klux Klan and Black Panthers in the back office going there. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, we're like, yo, we're not leaving this table. So we sit and we go at each other, and then the Holy Spirit falls, and we find ourselves closer than ever. But one thing we don't do is dance around the truth. And so as a church, this is who God has called us to do. And here's the thing. I'm not even going to sell you my point because all I'm going to do today is take you through the text with James. That's all I'm going to do. He's saying this exact thing to his people, all right? So y'all go ahead and have a seat, and we're going to run through the text really quick. Sorry for all the snotting and all that snorting and stuff. I can't help it. While you're sitting down, I just want to throw some stuff at you real quick. The jobless rate for, for blacks is twice that of whites. Blacks are 50% less likely to be called back on a job application with the same exact credentials. Same thing goes for housing. And when we talk about systematic oppression, we talk about laws and everything, 12% of Americans report cocaine use to, to think about maybe like 3% um, of crack use, right? Yet the law penalizes, so you can usually, you know, if you know anything about drugs, don't get in my business. Anyway, I'm just playing. You don't get my pass and all that. But anyway, if you know anything about drugs, if you're in the street, they'll say it like this. Yo, crack is a black man's drug. Cocaine is a white man's drug is how it's referred to from a street level. And it's referred to like that because crack is cheaper and you can get it really fast, right? Cocaine is a little bit different. You got to have a little bit of money to spend to do that, right? But let me tell you how the system deals with this particular thing and how it becomes a predatory broken thing. This isn't my subject today, but I just want you to get an understanding that you have to look deeper because everything is not all sweet, all right? All right, so one gram of crack right now is currently equal to, 12, to 18 grams of cocaine, all right? So that means people getting caught, the sentence is absolutely crazy. But for the same exact drug and the same amount, which is particularly a white offense or a white crime, it's just a tap on the wrist, right? And you want to know something crazier than that? And before 2010, it was one to a hundred. One to a hundred. So therefore, you see the law perpetuating the brokenness in families, poverty, fatherless homes, all of that, sitting in a jail cell, homie. Sin is sin and crime is wrong, but you get what I'm saying. Partialities of sin too. And this is what James is going to be dealing with, right? So just a quick, our time is running short, so I'm going to speed through this kind of fast. James is, he's just gangster. Like, I'll tell you, like pastors sometimes, sometimes when you got kind of a hard word to say to people, you're kind of like, okay, all right, you know, I got this hard word or whatever. James doesn't play around with that. He's like, yo, we are called to make disciples and we are called to teach them to obey the gospel. And, you know, you can wrestle through great stuff all you want. He was like, this is what the Lord is saying. Boom, here it is. This is what y'all need to do. And like as far as the people he's in front of, he brings it to them real life. And in this text we're about to read, we're about to see him actually Bring it to them real life, right? So James 1, 26 through 27 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. He says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world, right? So James is hitting them with a setup. He makes that statement to them. And he's like, that was just a setup on the whole thing. He's, he's, he's pushing on this whole thing of what is undefiled before God because he's talking to actual Christians, right? So he's like, cool, you're on your Christian thing. That's cute. 
But let me open your eyes to something because I'm watching you and your Christianity is defiled. And so he says in, verse, in James 2, 1 through 10, he says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Let me just tell you what partiality is. Or some, it's an unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another. Um, it's favoritism, all right? Your synonyms would be bias, prejudice, um, favor, um, partisanship, um, you know, a particular liking or fondness for something or whatever, right, that you, that you get down with like that. So what he's, he, he's, he's checking them like this. If he was here right now, I imagine he'd say something like this right here. Like, yo. Like, he would say that. He would say, like, yo. Right? He would start off like that, okay? He'd say, like, yo. You hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of glory. That right there was the smack. Bah! Wake up. You're believers. You're called to hold the faith. Bottom line. Y'all must have slipped up and forgot. He's hitting him with the smack before he brings it to him, right? And he's basically saying like, yo, you do not, you know, show no partiality. He says, yo, your God is not your politics. It's not your money. It's not your race. It's none of that, right? He's getting to business on it. He's like, yo, we, we, we Jesus Christ people. That's what we are. That's like, you know, you're playing like, like the carnality of this world, right? He's like, yo, we don't play that game. We don't play that game, right? And here's the thing. The Satan has woven into the fabric of our country all of the stuff that, it, like, like, what we just saw with that divide, that's not, that's not nobody's fault. But, that's, but that's, we can't determine where we are born at and everything, right? But we are born in the sin. We are born in the sin. And without the blood of Jesus, we're in bad shape. So it's, it's futile to sit and spend time trying to, trying, to, um, trying to, you know, get your heart off the hook. Your heart is jacked up, and mine is too, and I need Jesus Christ, and I need the gospel to tell me the truth, right? So James is like, I'm about to give it to you. And he's like, yo, hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, right? And he goes and he gives them an example of partiality. He says, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Now, remember, he just checked them on what this undefiled religion looked like, right? Now he's going in Adam because he sees this sin of partiality. And the phrases he uses are very distinct when he says, you stand over there. Because um, I think we see this play out every day where there's this thing of we separate. Like what we just did, people are standing over here and then people are standing over here. We don't know subconsciously we're actually walking in this sin all the time, Right? We, we, we're moving against God's, the, the river of God, the, the, the current is flowing from both sides just like this. And we're actually pushing against it. And it's in us so deep, we don't even know it half the times. We have a million reasons of, you know, it's just this right here from different back, this, that, that. Yo, God left heaven, the beauty of heaven, to come save us, his enemies. 
So our excuses sound absolutely ridiculous when we're okay with just letting it be the great divide, right? Sound absolutely crazy. I don't want to do that. And I do that. I'm the first one to admit it. I do not want to do that. All right? So he says you're staying over there. Another thing it reminds me of is the Good Samaritan story. The Good Samaritan story, you have three priests coming up the street, and then you have a man laying on the ground over there, and everybody cross over the street. Like, homie, you stay over there. We don't want no parts. Our reputation is at stake. Our purity, which is defiled, is at stake or whatever, right? Or I'm on the way to get some money, homie, and I don't got time to stop for you. Whatever the case may be, they walked around him. And the other guy stops and he helps him. He gives us money, he gives us time, he gives us resources and everything to see the broken person made whole. That's a stranger to him. It's just a pretty beautiful picture of what we're dealing with here. So you stand over there. In other words, let me move around you, right? Next text, he says, he says, uh, you, he says uh, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Other texts of this say, Sit up under my footstool. Let me tell you what, the pitch, what a picture of this is. This is the sin of lording over people. It's the sin of being okay with systems that devour people. Right? So it's like either get away Either I'm going to come in your neighborhood. I'm just giving you concepts to think through in real life. Either I'm going to come in and gentrify your neighborhood and y'all get the heck out of Dodge, right? Or I'm not going to economically empower you because then you might build your own stuff and I need you actually over in my neighborhood spending money because you're still consumers and good ones at that because you don't really, your education is an F education. You don't know what to do with your money, so you spend it up. But after you, as you look at the divide, you can't help but think some of it is actually intentional. I mean, you have to, right? Because a lot of you in here, as I said earlier, you intentionally decided to come to a church that, you know, talks like this. And to most people, this is crazy talk. But you are doing it. God has stirred your heart to sit through it. And I have conversations with you. I know sometimes it burns and it hurts a little bit, but you're still like, God's doing something. We, we're just going to sit here and let it do what it do. We all figured it out. We're all being drawn closer. God is knitting our hearts together, right? But that's what that sin is. Sit down at my feet. It's looking to Lord over somebody. Let me tell you what we do as believers, right? What we're called to do. Man, we are givers. Like, one man, uh, Red Hot Chili, Pe Chili Pepper said, give it away, give it away, give it away now. <laughs> y'all know about that, under the bridge and all that. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. All right. Don't be surprised if I leave and you hear that bumping out of the car. I'm playing that joint. But anyway, we give us. You know, I'm going to just take this for example. I remember when I first met Matt, um, and he used to come in my store. Hold on, y'all. Let me get it right. He used to come to my store, right? And um, so I have all my homies in the store and everything and stuff. Matt would come through. One of the things that used to blow my mind about him that I used to watch is that he used to always be giving away stuff. Like, um, I remember like when he first came around, he had helped start this business thing that was about to pop off and blow. And I was like, yo, bro, you about to get the paper? Like, what you gonna do? He was like, nah, man. He's like, this dude actually can use this to take care of his family. And like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm just signing off. I don't want no, and I just was like, dang. 
But then I kept seeing him do it over and over again with people. You understand what I'm saying? I see him take my homies, bring him home, and be like, yo, this is how you do your finances. You can go online and flip stuff and sell it like this, go to these websites and this and that. And it was just like, just giving it away, right? We got everything. We headed to heaven, yo. We're free to give it all away. We don't need to bring anybody up under our footstool. What we need is to help people get from up under people's footstool so they can help people get up under people's footstool to the glory of God, right? God is doing this for his glory. It's not even for the point of just being socially conscious, which is awesome, and I'm socially conscious. But, man, I'm telling you, the work that we put in, I'm trying to get somebody to heaven, Amen. all right? I'm trying to get them to heaven. That's, that's, that's it. Verse 4, he says, have you, then not made, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I'm going to read that to you one more time. Listen to this right here. He goes, have you then, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This whole sin of partiality is a corrupt heart issue. When I said we are become carnal and we function and we think just like the world, it means that we are making, um, the idea of being carnal means that we are actually in the same circle and process of thinking as the world, as if we're not kingdom people, right? that's That's what it means. So he's saying to them, your distinctions, they're the same as everybody else. Like you forgot what your identity is, what you've been called to. You've been, you forgot that you were called to hold on to the faith of Jesus Christ. And now you're rationalizing everything like everybody else, right? So if they were standing in the room over here, they might be like, yo, you ain't got jobs because you won't work. And you're like, well, we don't got jobs because you're doing this right here. And then it just keeps going back and forth. But where's the kingdom people at in the middle that's like this right here? Like, nah, homie. Like God came from heaven and rescued me. So I'm doing the same. I'm being like my daddy. I don't got time for this conversation right here because he didn't have no conversation. He, he should have been looking at me going, you low down, dirty scumbag. You deserve to stay where you're at. He didn't have time for that conversation. He just jumped down, came from heaven, and went up to the cross and handled Woo! it like that. Yes. You've become judges with evil thoughts. All this division, all these distinctions, sexism, racism, all of these isms just keep coming out of this thing, and we just keep flowing with it, just like the rest of the world. Man, we have to fall before the God and just be like, God, purify our hearts. We do it. I do it all the time. My daughter, literally, she just told me the other week. I said something. She's like, Dad, you're sexist. I was like, what I do? She's like, that's some sexist stuff you just said. And I thought about it. I was like, crap, messed up, man. I need God's mercy. I need it. All right. Verse 5. I'm going to kind of wrap this up because we're going over time. He says, listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? He says, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not, rich, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor 
as yourself and you are doing well. And then he says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fulfill, but for, um, keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable to all of it. Um, so when we leave, when we leave the church this morning, and as you're going throughout your week, and you're thinking about your text, about this text and the sermon and everything, and you're thinking to yourself, how do I reconcile racist and class to come together as one voice to the glory of God? Um, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of practical ways to do that, but I'm going to give you a magnifying glass so you can see truth, right? This is it. You ready for it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. God says, he says, all the commandments hinge on these two things. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Because if you ever stop in the middle of this divide to think for a minute, there's no way that your heart is not going to hurt for both sides of it, right? I see it. Like, I, I, I see my white brothers who are blind and they're discovering their blindness and they grieve and hurt over it. And it hurts me. It hurts me. I also see that when they start to realize certain things and they go to speak to some of their other white friends and brothers, they get eaten alive. And they're like, oh, you, you one of those boom lovers? That's what you're doing now? Grieves my heart so bad. Because there's a cost. There's a cost. But Jesus' blood costs some too. Cost something too, right? I see it when I look at my white brothers and sisters, and I hope they see it when they look back over at me too. That that, that this thing about loving your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes I say stuff and I go, "That's not loving. That was that was actually out of a heart of racism." And it's ugly to look at, but I'm also thankful that God shows it to me, right? Some of the stuff that's been happening with police officers, it messes with my heart. But when I start to look through this scripture and I, and I, and I, and I think about how do I love them, right? I would say, man, if I was a police officer, I would want somebody praying for me right now. Even if they have issues with what's going on and they're a little suspect of me, I would still wanting, want them to say a prayer, right? We, we said it last week. We said, if you are on the block right now or you out in the street or you wherever, you're in college and you're absolutely lost and don't know Jesus and there is a church group meeting in the dorm right next to you, what would you want them to do for you? And you would want them to do whatever they got to do to show up and reach you, Right? You want them to do whatever. And then if you, if, you, if you curse them out and say, I don't want to hear that crap about Jesus and all of that stuff, then you will want them to come back and figure out another way. 
because that's what loves, that's what it does, right? That's what it does. I'm telling you, when I see my wife for the first time, if she would have rejected me, believe me, homie would have came back in the tux, all that. And if she would have said no again, I'm coming back with whatever. Like I'm doing, I'm robbing a bank and pulling up in a Benz for with a ribbon, but I'm going the extra mile to get a hold of her heart because I'm like, woman, you, you are mine. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's saying, I got a neighbor right now. I don't really know how to talk to him. I really don't know how to talk to him. We got together a little bit, whatever. It's awkward. But I'm like, I know they need Jesus. And I'm just trying to figure out stuff, you know. He showed me his salt shaker collection. He had like 4,000 salt shakers the other day. And I just was freaked out and stuff. I thought he was about to season me up and eat me up or something. I was like, I'm about to get the heck out of this joint, whatever, you know. And so, but I'm still like, Lord, how do I get over to his heart, you know? Um, all right, I'm pushing over time. I actually have a little bit more. I'm going to read a scripture to you real quick, and then we're going to close out. Um, it's Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. It's jumping a little bit away or whatever, but it's just one line in it that I want to leave you with. Um, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Y'all hear this? I'm going to start over real quick because I want you to hear this so well. It's so beautiful. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's withheld nothing from us. It says, even as he chose, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And this is the piece right here I want you to hear which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Two words I just want you to see. Lavish, right? He lavished his love upon us, right? And he made, he's making known to us the mystery of his will. So, this divide that we saw, his will is for it to be no more, right? His will is for it to come together for the glory of, of God, right? That's number one. And the way that you do that is you actually, the love that has been given to you, you lavish it on each other, right? And if you don't know what that love looks like, it's because you're not seeing Christ the way you should see him, right? You're seeing a very vague just blurred view. So look deeper into the heart of Christ and the gospel and what this sacrifice meant. And as you do, he gets bigger and you get smaller and you start to be under just the weightiness of his sacrifice and his love for us as sinners who are completely helpless sheep without a shepherd who could not save ourselves. And it took the blood of a holy, sinless God and man who walked the earth and overcame every battle we have to be nailed to a cross for our sins. Y'all get where I'm coming from? You keep looking at that thing. The Bible says if you behold him, you'll be transformed, right? So don't worry about it if you don't get it. 
Keep coming to look at Jesus. Keep getting in your word. It will transform your heart. So look deeply into that. And what you find there, the riches that come out of that, just start lavishing them on people with no expectancy for anything to come back to you. Just do it because you got everything because nothing's been withheld from you. All right? That's my sermon for the day real quick. Here.